social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Fall is the perfect time to get your lawn the best it can be. Folks, call Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island today, 401-392-1025 or online, lawndoctor.com. Lawndoctor.com or call them 401-392-1025. Fall is the perfect time where they will treat your lawn. Top quality lawn care company for Rhode Island. Your best lawn ever guaranteed. And this is the best time to have it treated. Call Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island today, 401 401- 392-1025 or online at lawndoctor.com. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, which is dipietro.com. Well, it's Thursday. And uh, folks, you know, let's let's just be candid. The news for Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee is not getting any better. These hearings that are taking place, uh, the news that's coming out of them, it's getting worse for him, not better. It's tough. Uh, there are now more calls, people saying that Attorney General Peter Narona uh, should look into this latest contract controversy. They don't have the best relationship. Uh, Governor McKee, if this does end up at the Office of Attorney General, and I, I'm not sure, I don't see how it doesn't happen because he's going to be drowning in scandals. Um this will be the third one in seven months. So the people that started off the story, let's play it. This is Channel 12, the, the contract controversy. Lawmakers grill state officials about why the McKee administration awarded a lucrative government contract to a newly established consulting firm with political connections. The House Oversight Committee spent nearly three hours questioning the process that ended with the company, the ILO Group, being awarded up to $5.2 million. Oversight Committee Chair Patricia Serpa summed up her view at the end of the hearing. I don't think you did anything illegal. Do I think it was some bad judgment? I gotta tell you, yeah, I do. I'd be lying to say otherwise. I mean, there's just no way I can put lipstick on this one. Right now on WPRI.com, Target 12 investigator Eli Sherman breaks down the new details that came out of today's hearing. You know, folks, that's she's being polite, but the the truth is it is um I like that. I, I kinda like the way she said it. There's no way to put lipstick on this one. It um for lack of a better phrase, but it, it smells. What they, they basically did, and I don't know who is driving the train on this, but this will end up being the third now, third investigation with Governor McKee. Now, folks, I also want to direct your attention to the website Petro.com. Do you remember the the foot rubber, the man from the Providence uh, School Department, go into the gym and approach these young guys, take their shoes off and stop rubbing their feet. He's back. The foot rubber is back. Now, this time, this is uh, ridiculous, but he's going after the Providence police, excuse me, Warwick police, and he's trying to say, was he, he put out this convoluted uh, press release that it was something about George Floyd, and now he's trying to make it racist, and it's racial, and... I don't know what to make of that other than the whole thing was bizarre. Not only it cost him his job, it cost his boss that hired him, Harrison Peters, his job. So you have that story. And then you also have, and I, we've learned now the identities of these three young men uh, from that graduated Exo West Greenwich that were killed in the fiery crash. One of them, I believe, is a senior at URI, senior or junior at URI. 
but it, it's just terrible. And um, but folks, I think the story that, that you heard about. So this was they, they obviously were like out late Monday night into so their early morning hours of Tuesday morning. It's two in the morning. As if you remember, it was heavy, heavy rain. And then they were traveling at a very high rate of speed, I believe over 100 miles an hour, lost control of the car. Uh, you go in that fast, uh, hydroplaning, a wet road, I have no idea condition of the driver, but they struck a tree. The car was then engulfed in flames. They could not even identify the individuals after the, the crash. Folks, when you're going over 100 miles an hour, wet road, and then you strike a tree and then it, the car literally just like exploded into a, a fireball. They had to use dental records that it's, um, it's, the answer is it's preventable. This is not going, you know, 60 miles an hour. This isn't going set. When you go to the triple digits, as they call it, you're entering into a, a different region. It's, it's, of course, it's sad. It's terrible, uh, but it's preventable and it was avoidable. It did not, did not have to happen. Terrible. But uh, a lot of postings about it on social media. You can see the story, but the big story, I think, is um, is the Governor McKee story, simply because, you know, this is going to be, as I said, and this was going on back in March. They were just getting into office. Boy, there, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. What I, what I think is, um, now it's too early to tell, but the election, the primary, is in 11 months. And right now, you have a governor who is basically, like, uh, again, engulfed in controversy, and these are all, except for the Bud Craddock one, I mean, he inherited him, but these are self-inflicted wounds. This is the third, if it happens. And what's problem for, for Governor McKee is now people are saying that you, should, you need to get the attorney general in here. And you had a supporter. That was Representative Pat Serper. You just heard the sound of her saying, I can't put lipstick on this. This smells. It sure sounds that some friends of the governor were, they held the hand and walked them through the process in order to reward them with a five to $6 million contract. I, I am open if someone wants to explain how else to interpret what happened with that contract process. I mean, that's, unless I'm missing something, that seems to be what happened here. So, all right, folks, we're going to cover that and a lot more. And then obviously things in Washington continue to heat up, uh, but it's all ahead. Listen right here on the John DePietro Show, folks. And as the rain has stopped on this Thursday, I want to encourage you, use the day, visit Rhode Island's number one garden center. Of course, it's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. What a tremendous display they have of pumpkin straw, constructs, gourd, sugar pumpkins, fall decorations, so much more. Plus, homegrown mums and kale are just outstanding this year. They have mums 4-inch, 12-inch pots, 10-inch, 12-inch hangers, 12-inch patio pots, and 4-6-inch to six inch ornamental peppers. Stop it and see them. 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. It's PR, landscape materials, and garden center. Plus, gift certificates are available. Look for them on Facebook. They uh, do a great job with their Facebook page. But make sure your property looks the best it can. The weather is great. It's going to be a great weekend. Pop in, take the ride, and look for them. Uh, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, Rhode Island's number one garden center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. 
Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchels at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today. 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident? Someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen. Whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone. Call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, Call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired. 401-272-3340. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Joining us right now, he is the Rapid Response Director for the Republican National Committee. It's our friend Tommy Pigeot. Tommy, if you don't mind, first of all, thank you for joining us. I'd like to start off with, uh, there's no question about it, the Biden approval ratings continue to fall. Uh, they really do. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I think the reason why they are falling so rapidly is kind of two reasons. One, I think Afghanistan really exposed a lot of the facade that Biden put up, this sort of lie that he was empathetic, that he was competent, that he was experienced, and exposed it to really be built on a foundation of sand. So I think now as the people go forward, Americans are rightfully 
concerned and rightfully judging Biden and saying, I can't trust a single thing that he's saying. And then sort of a second issue is he's continuing down the same path. He's lying about what's in his $3.5 trillion bill. He's lying about what his plans are going to do. He's lying what his plans have done. So it's just complete dishonesty. And to your point about it really being across the board with polling, we see him underwater in Virginia, in Florida, in North Carolina, in Georgia, in Minnesota, in Michigan, in Virginia. McAuliffe yesterday, who's running for governor of Virginia, was talking about how he's disadvantaged because Biden is so unpopular in the state of Virginia, uh, which is just shocking given that Biden won that state in 2020. So people are really seeing Joe Biden for who he is, and that's a failed president. You know, that's an incredible statement, uh, Tommy, by McAuliffe. And looking ahead, you know, what does that say about next year with the midterms? And this is something that you know, I think you're you're exactly right, and people will start to see this. This becomes a real liability for the party with a very unpopular Democrat president. I, I think that they have the liability of a pop, an unpopular Democrat president because of his incompetent leadership, but also an unpopular socialist agenda, which Joe Biden has completely adopted. So it's not like these Democrats are sort of innocent bystanders and in, in, in the agenda that they're adopting. They're supporting the reckless spending. They're doing cover for this president and refusing to hold him accountable on Afghanistan. So they're really part of this incompetent leadership and this radical agenda. And I do believe, and Democrats would even concede, that after the midterm elections in 2022, Democrats are expecting to be in the House minority in the next term of Congress. But I do want to say, I want to preface that, we're not taking that for granted at the RNC at all. We're, we're, we're putting 100% in every single day to make sure that their predictions that they're going to be in the minority come true. We're doing everything we possibly can. And if I have anything to say about it, they will be in the minority because we're going to be exposing their agenda. The American people are starting to wake up and see it. And we're mobilizing across the country to get voters out, to get volunteers out, to make sure that we win in this next election cycle. Uh, folks, again, we're speaking with Tommy Pigeot, who's rapid response Republican National Committee. Tommy, can you touch on again those states where you're starting to really see his polls take a dip in uh, specifically, which which states that, that Biden won in 2020, where now he's starting to see his numbers fall? Well, notably, uh, Virginia is one that comes to mind where he's underwater. Minnesota, he's underwater. Um, states like Michigan, he's underwater. Wow. Uh, Georgia, he's underwater. Um, huh. Really, in a lot of these states, it, it almost seems like it's, it's almost just a question of where polls are published, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Because every poll I've seen, He's underwater, and, and especially these close states. But, yeah, Virginia. And then, you know, you think about states that Trump won but are close. Florida, underwater. North Carolina, underwater. So it really is uh, a warning sign for Democrats um, that their agenda is being rejected by the American people, rightfully, because their agenda is just terrible. And I want people to understand the significance. For Terry McAuliffe, and I've interviewed him in the past several times, but for him to say that, unfortunately, Biden is unpopular in Virginia right now, you know, Tommy, they, I think they viewed it as, you know, he was going to come kind of cruising in a little bit on Biden's coattails. And Biden, as you said, he won Virginia by, did you say 10 points? So the fact that the poll numbers are that off and the McAuliffe is almost starting to, you know, use that as the excuse of why he, he may lose. Because that, that race in Virginia, I believe that's almost a dead heat. That is, uh, I, I know it's it's something that may not capture the attention of the the average voter, but that that's really significant in in the national discussion, but is specifically in the Beltway. Uh, exactly, I think it. it I mean, 
Virginia went for Biden by about 10 points, like you mentioned. Wow. Uh, for this to be a dead heat huh. uh, is really astonishing. And so, you know, it's going to be a close race. I don't want to necessarily, I don't want to get the impression that you know, this is going to be runaway. I know that the uh, that we're working very hard. I mean, Republicans are working very hard to make sure that this uh, is race as competitive as possible and we're exposing Biden's agenda. But I just, you know, the fact that it's that close shows that the American people are really starting to reject this agenda and rejecting swampy failed career politicians. I mean, McAuliffe is basically a Biden clone in some ways. He's uh, an incompetent politician that's been in politics his whole life. And all of a sudden now, late in his life, he's decided to embrace the radical left on almost every single thing, including, you know, embracing a defund the police endorsement. So, I mean, it really is just Joe Biden 2.0 and the fact that he's just a, a failed career politician that's now going to as far left as possible. Now, Tommy, also uh, the situation of the border, not only is it not getting any better, but with the amount of <clears throat> illegals now headed for the border, uh, it looks like the border, if it's possible, could even get worse. Uh, yes, and that's actually extremely concerning. We have, you know, it's a five alarm crisis. It already was. And if there's such a thing as a 10 alarm crisis, that's really what this is now, because it was a five alarm crisis last month when we had 200,000. Uh, over 200,000 illegal immigrants crossing the border. Border Patrol is now expecting this month in October 400,000 huh. in one month. Wow. Double the number last month. We've already had 1.2 million, million illegal immigrants cross the border since February 1st during Biden's administration. You have the former Border Patrol chief who just resigned in August saying there's been as many as 400,000 gotaways meaning illegal immigrants that crossed the border and were not detained, who so are not included in those numbers. 400,000 illegal immigrants that escaped into the country. Uh, and so we, we, have, we have Biden's current Border Patrol chief, Raul Ortiz, who before he was appointed was warning that the drug cartels are dictating where illegal immigrants cross, meaning, you know, that situation on the Del Rio Bridge, there was 224 miles of the border that were unpatrolled, unpatrolled during that time meaning that illegal activities can cross undetected. That's lethal drugs. That's gang members. The Border Patrol is citing terrorist threats. So not only is it a humanitarian crisis, we all see those pictures of that camp, a third world style refugee camp. It's also a security crisis of up to hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants in the last few months entering this country without being apprehended, not even to mention the 1.2 million that have been apprehended, many of which have been released into this country. And Joe Biden is sitting there doing nothing. He hasn't even been to the border in his life, or they can't point to an example. Harris hasn't been to the border since June and has never been to the Rio Grande Valley or Del Rio. So this is just a complete failure of leadership. And I want them to wake up and do something, but there's no sign that they're actually going to do something. They either don't care or they're just completely incompetent and embracing the radical extreme of the Democrat Party. Uh, folks, again, we're speaking with Tommy Peugeot, who's a rapid response for Republican National Committee. Tommy, I think it's safe to say that the, the Biden, it, listen, not only is it an open border, but it's the plan. The plan is to bring as many people in as possible. Uh, eventually, they will become voters. There's no plan, A, to really keep them out, or B, try to discourage them. By all by all accounts, uh, you, you could chalk up another when he was on the campaign trail a year ago, he said there would not be an open border. And it's a year later. And by all accounts, listen, it's the worst, as you know, it's the worst it's ever been. It really is. I mean, the, the accurate data we have goes back to 2000. 
before that is actually a bit difficult to compare. But the early 2000s, if you remember, during the Bush administration were some of the worst times because of just the surge. We didn't really have a handle on border security then. It was one of the first examples or modern examples of this huge influx. So Republicans tried to respond. It's actually ironic. Joe Biden and Democrats supported a border wall back then, but all of a sudden they changed their mind. So this is worse than that. This is worse than during the Bush administration when we were first starting to grapple with this problem because Biden has taken steps backwards. We took steps to address this. Even Barack Obama was saying that we can't have a whole class of illegal immigrants that we let into the country and give a signal that you're not going to be deported because that'll lead us to the border. Biden himself said that in 2014. Hillary Clinton said that in 2014. But Biden has abandoned decades decades of bipartisan consensus and decided to take us way back before we even started addressing this problem, weakening border security, smearing border patrol agents, sending messages out to the world where 150 countries, there's illegal immigrants from 150 countries that have been encountered at the border in the past few months. So when they talk about root causes, Harris likes to say the root cause is in three countries in Central America. That's just not true. The root cause of this border crisis is Biden's open borders agenda, and they're just doubling down and tripling down and quadrupling down on those field policies. Folks, he's Tommy Pijot, who is Republican National Committee. It is a challenge trying to run your business today, especially if you spend most of your time trying to find the right workers. Instead, let MEGA professionals find them for you. Call them today, 508-336-7801, right now. Are you spending a good amount of your time trying to find the right workers for your business, your company? Call MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals today, 508-336-7801. If you need workers, drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, local, which is a.k.a. sleep-at-home drivers, maybe it is drivers, class A, B, non-CDL, warehouse workers, mechanics, skilled labor, office professionals, even in the healthcare business, you can depend on MEGA, M-E-G-A professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. How much time are you spending trying to find the right workers for your business? Let MEGA professionals find them for you. Call them right now, 508-336-7801 for MEGA professionals. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, I want to touch on your uh, column that you wrote. She may be Providence's next mayor. I should probably learn her name. It's Providence Councilwoman Nerva. And am I pronouncing it right? La Fortune? La Fortune, you got. Nerva okay. is the Nerva instead That's of right. Nerva is the difference. Nerva. Okay. Yeah. Um, touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I will. Um, uh, yeah, I, I forgot. We, we were off last week, so we didn't get to talk. Uh, this is the, one of the more interesting uh, parts of that Providence mayoral race. And we've known for a while, you're going to have four candidates who are very serious in that race, at least four, but four that we know. Brett Smiley, uh, Michael Solomon, Gonzalo Cuervo, and then this Providence City Councilwoman, Nirva LaFortune. Now, Nirva LaFortune isn't the big household name to people who are listening to you and I speak, but... She's from that same Senate district that we were just talking about in the last segment. Um, you know, she's from the east side of Providence, uh, got more votes than anybody on the Providence City Council in the last election in 2018. She got somewhere around 4,000 votes herself, um, you know, is very popular in that community. She has the chance to be the first female mayor, the chance to be the first black mayor, which 
but as you know, this plays very, very much in a, in a very liberal city. Um, and she's going to be, I think, a very serious threat. And at the very least, she's a major problem for Brett Smiley because they're pulling from kind of the same voters over there on the east side. The thing is, there are so many votes over there that if you could, let's say they, those two were to split the east side in some way, there's still a path to victory for both of them you know, throughout the rest of the city. And Nirva LaFortune is someone to, to pay close attention to. She's probably... I think it's fair to say the most progressive candidate in the race. She will not be a political cooperative candidate though. She's not in that crowd, but I think she's probably the most left leaning. She's been somewhat critical of the police. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of, I think some of the public employee unions will be uh, pushing back against her candidacy, but she's going to be a real factor in the race. And in fact, I'm a little surprised that she hasn't almost caught on even more because again those narratives first black mayor first female mayor while a lot of people might roll their eyes at that it, it does matter we're just seeing it play out in the boston mayoral race uh you know just just up uh, north of us these things you know sometimes that stuff matters even more than some of the issues uh and so i think she's going to be a real factor and by jumping in the race um uh, you know formally or officially now she's going to kind of unload on fundraising she's going to need to really kind of staff up and, and, and get up on the issues. But I think she's going to be a factor for the, for the next year. Uh, folks, so speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, Dan, going back to the Matt Brown co-op collaborative, which I, I like it is, it's a civil war within the Democrat party, but what are your thoughts on, and, and what are you hearing about two of the candidates that basically got knocked off? They went back through some of their social media posts and, uh, and then the collaborative had to kind of step away. And I, I get, you get the feeling that, you know, different people are going through all of these former, the social media posts of, of some of these individuals. But well, what, what, what do you think of that? You, you just said something. I don't even think you might, you might've known you said it and it was exactly right. Too many people are framing this as a progressive civil war. This is a democratic party civil yes. war. Um, yep. and, and here's your best example, you know, your, your best reason why uh, to your point, Who's going through all of all these candidates and their social media posts? Who's doing what we call opposition research? Right. It's not, it's not the Republican Party. No. Right? It is the, the establishment Democrats who are doing yep. this. Where do you think these leaks are coming from? That's um, right. You know, I would say if I'm the political cooperative, look, you, you, know, you, you made a big splash last year. You now have made a big splash with a candidate for governor, a candidate for lieutenant governor. You know, you got to button your stuff up, right? You, you you're you're a serious organization now and so you know you gotta vet your candidates they did a i think a pretty poor job i think they became really uh obsessed with wow we you know we have a chance to take to take over the senate so let's run against a few democrats who are you know wishy-washy on the issues uh dawn oyer in newport you know they're considering running against josh miller and cranston these are people who Normal. I mean, John, you know Josh Miller. You, you would yeah. probably say he's a socialist in some Absolutely. cases. Absolutely. And is. so the idea that he that he is not progressive enough. Wow. Um, I, I think it. I think it makes a lot of people within the party very frustrated because they're saying, "Wait, you're you know you're taking on our good candidates or our our good incumbents." But it's it's real because what you have here is 
you've got these far left political cooperative folks. Then you have another, you know, group of people very far to the left, the Aaron Regenbergs of the world, you know, who are not kind of in with that club. They've got their own sort of views on the world. And then you have, you know, the, the establishment Democratic Party who, you know, obviously still has lots of power, all the power when it comes to the state house. Uh, and they're sitting there kind of shaking in their boots because they don't know what to think of what's happening. So it's a it's a civil war within the party broadly, not just among, you know, a handful of progressive, you know, young progressive activists. It's, it's bigger than that. Before we go to the break, what's your, what do you think the thoughts of whether Kikoi McCoy or Sakachi or, or even uh, Dan McKee, for that matter, but what, uh, Dan McGowan, what are their thoughts on Matt Brown? Oh, I think they're very frustrated. I mean, you're seeing, yeah. obviously, you know, Kikoi McCoy, I think a couple of weeks ago, had a big, you know, very critical statement about uh, Matt Brown getting in the race. You know, part of it is they don't know how to handle it and if you're somebody use joe shikarchi as a great example right how he rises to become the house speaker is, is arguably probably inarguably the the most powerful politician in the state of rhode island and here's a guy who who has been in politics virtually his entire adult life right and he's seen how the system you know is in his eyes supposed to work in his case it worked really well right you worked your way up through local politics you were on campaigns you became a successful lawyer Boom, you ran for office. Now you're the Speaker of the House. And he's saying, wait a minute, all these people are popping up. I don't even know who they don't come to our events. You know, they're 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 not from here. They all went to Brown. And I think it I think it really throws them off. And the thing that throws them off the most is the young people, the the progressive, these progressive candidates, they have nothing but time. They knock doors, yeah. they work hard, right. they volunteer. They don't. You know, a lot of people are, are really uh, concerned about the the finances of the of the political cooperative and everybody wants to know, you know, where are they getting their money from? The thing is, and that's a legitimate question. But the thing is, the number of volunteers who just want to hold a sign or, you know, chain themselves to a door. These people aren't getting paid for that necessarily. No. They they just love this. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there's a never ending um, you know, barrage of them. They just continue to come every year. A new group pops up at Brown. Uh, and so I, they're going to be a factor and they're getting more sophisticated when it comes to the, to the local campaigns. And so, yeah, if you're, if you're the establishment here in the state, I think you have real challenges. You know, there's a part of me that wants to say this should open up a, you know, a, a conversation with the Republican party to say, Hey, yes. you know, this is an opening, right? This is the classic, uh, the Buddy Sancy, how Buddy Sancy became the mayor, right? Democrats right. split, he becomes the mayor. Um, the thing is, is, you're just not quite seeing that organization really come together, at least not yet. Folks, another quick break, a lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, MEGA, 508 336 2110. 508 336 2110 for mega truck and trailer repair whether it's commercial trailers diesel equipment free estimates fhwa inspections also rhode island state inspection station trailer pickup and delivery listen you're trying to run your business you need mega truck and trailer repair call them today 508-336-2110 trailer pickup and delivery 
24-hour mobile service, ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, they can fix it. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110. You need it fixed. You need, need it fixed in a hurry, and you need it fixed right. Call MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair today. Remember, free estimates, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, and if it's on a trailer, they can fix it. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110.